I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, November 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So we'll talk about this later, but the Air Canada CEO got into some hot water about his French ability. Jay, do you speak any other languages? I'm not afraid to answer that question, having known what happens with, with the Air Canada CEO. Do you? No, well, again, yeah, I guess I'm also concerned now because I think people are going to start coming up to me. Yo, obviously, we get recognized a lot in the street, you and I, Jay. And <laughs> I, I don't want someone to start coming up to me talking Cantonese, but I do speak a bit of Cantonese. I spoke more when I was younger, less so today. But when I go back to Hong Kong, I do kind of bring it back out. And every time I do, they just speak to me in English. And so well, it's not I, the most useful. I speak the first couple sentences you need to have a conversation in Hebrew, but then yeah. it dies off very quickly. So I can I can give greetings and then speak switch to English. The, the problem is that when you speak the languages in these places where you're actually supposed to speak, then everybody else speaks English too. And so they just end up defaulting to English because it's easier. I want to go somewhere. I want to go to like China and immerse myself in like some third tier city to try and learn Mandarin. I, in a place where nobody else speaks English. So they have no option but to speak to you in, in that language. Well, go there and report back. I will. Yeah. Well, I hope I come back, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. All right. What do we have for Peak Palace this beautiful Monday morning? For our first story, Francais Cibu play. For our second story, COP26 is over. And for our last story, all too well. For our first story, a lot of CEOs are probably wishing they paid more attention in French class as pressure is ramping up on top execs of national companies to get a grasp of both official languages. Brett, tell us what is happening in Quebec. Well, I guess the more important context here is that when Air Canada was privatized, there was legislation passed that forced them to continue to have their headquarters in Montreal. And so Air Canada CEO Michael Rousseau was asked by a Quebec reporter if he spoke French after he gave an English speech in the home of Air Canada in Montreal. Rousseau's response was that he's been able to live and work in Montreal without learning French. And as anyone knows, Quebec can imagine that did not land well. See, Rousseau's comments come at a time when Quebecers are increasingly concerned about the state of their language, and the government is moving to strengthen French language protections. Well, you're right. They did not land all too well. Rousseau's comments were so problematic that everyone from Prime Minister Trudeau on down had to uniformly denounce them and call for Rousseau to get back into Duolingo. And under extreme pressure, he did. Later last week, Air Canada announced that they were reviewing their French policies, and Rousseau said, he'd begun taking private French instruction. So Brett, why should people else care about Air Canada's French fiasco? I love the story because it's so uniquely Canadian. There's nowhere else in the world that you'd see something like this. Rousseau's comments were already sending ripples through the Quebec business world. Last week, the CEO of SNC-Lavalin, another large Quebec corporation, called off an English speech at the exact same club where Rousseau gave his in Montreal as he revises his remarks to, and this is his quote, make sure it contains more French. It's probably a good idea. So expect any Anglophone CEOs of Quebec companies to be much more careful on the issue of language. And if you're a French tutor, head over to, to Montreal right now. There's a bunch of CEOs looking to take lessons. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll pay a lot too. For our second story, world leaders signed a new climate agreement at the COP26 summit, which wrapped up over the weekend. Jay, can you give the Peak Pal some context on COP26? For sure. So prior to the summit, the UN had three goals in mind. One, to cut carbon emissions by half by 2030. Two, funnel $100 billion from high income to low income nations. And three, help low income nations adapt to the effects of climate change. And the result, 197 countries, including Canada, agreed to the Glasgow Climate Pact, which calls for the phasing down of coal and fossil fuel usage, among a number of other policies. 
Experts say that the agreement will get us close to limiting temperature increases over the next decade to 2.4 degrees Celsius, but that is a far cry from the 1.5 degree target that activists wanted. The PAC also disappointed many world leaders who wanted to phase out, not phase down coal usage. Very technical. This whole language clause was watered down when India, along with a few other countries, supports that it would only agree to the pact if it was phase out and not phase down. But many are pleased that we're making progress and the agreement leaves the door open to revisit these policies next year. So it's not written in stone. So, Jay, why should Peak Pals care about COP26? Well, if it's not already obvious, climate change is set to become one of the most consequential issues of our lifetime, and meaningful progress made in the issue will only be done at the international level. So it's very important to keep track of this pressing issue, both for our own jobs, for our lives, and for our economies. For our last story, and this one is a personal favorite, Taylor Swift re-released her re-recorded album, Red. Brett, what does Red, Taylor's version, have to do with business? Well, here's the backstory. Taylor Swift has been trying to buy the masters to her music since 2018 after her contract with Big Red Machine, her former label, ended. However, instead of being sold to Taylor, they were sold to Scooter Braun and the world's largest private equity fund, Carlisle Group. And it, it was, this was all done apparently without her knowledge, or at least she claims. After a prolonged public dispute, Scooter Braun eventually sold the catalog to Shamrock Holdings, which is another PE fund that's held by the Disney family of, of all people. Fun fact, Scooter Braun also went to my alma mater, Emory University, although I will not take credit for him in this issue. Since the sale, Taylor's been fighting to regain control of her catalog by re-recording all of her past albums and republishing them on streaming platforms, aka giving the finger to Scooter Braun. And it's working. Her re-recorded songs are being streamed more than her originals, which means she's finally able to make money again from her work. And the one song that I think we've probably all heard all too well is a 10-minute song, which is exactly three minutes longer than our longest podcast to date. But Brett, why should people else care about Taylor's re-recordings? Well, it's pretty interesting that Taylor has spent the past few years just re-recording her entire albums all to get back at Scooter Braun and to finally own all of her songs again. And as the licensing rights market heats up and more of these private equity funds buy the rights to other artists' music, this has triggered a wider discussion about how little control even the world's biggest artists have over their work and what we can do to change that. I'm Team Taylor. I, I am too in this case. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast or your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's a good time not to be Jake Gillian Hall as these songs are re-released. Just chilling all. Oh, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>